turn in your Bible, please, to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I've had a wonderful time already in the hour of in this hour in just singing and hearing God's word in the Sunday school lesson and hearing that wonderful song, the choir, Jim. Now let's ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts and open our hearts to what he wants to say to us as we focus on one verse of scripture, Philippians 1, 6. Philippians 1, 6. A verse that would be wise to memorize. And I hope you'll mark it in your Bible. And let's all hold it before the Lord in our hearts. Would you read that verse with me aloud? Let me read it once and then you read it with me. Being confident of this very thing, that he who hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's all say it or read it together. Being confident of this very thing, that he who hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. May we bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank Thee for the privilege of prayer. We thank You that God is among His people, that the Lord Jesus is here today in our hearts and in the power of the Holy Spirit, making the message of the songs and the Word real to our hearts. We pray that the Lord, through the Spirit of Jesus, will do His office work of conviction and draw men and women, boys and girls, and teens, and collegians to Jesus. We claim thy promise, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Lord, meet needs, encourage the saved, convict the lost, and may the Lord's will be done in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> We began today in the Sunday School a study of the book of Philippians. Paul is in the Roman prison. It may not be long until he goes to be with the Lord. He said in this chapter, they put me in prison. The Romans think that I'm their prisoner, but really I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And as a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I'm sure that what has occurred in my life will fall out to the furtherance of the gospel. Jesus will be honored and there will be deliverance, not necessarily from the prison, though many Bible students believe that Paul was delivered and, and then later came back for a second imprisonment in Rome and the, then died. But he said, I'm convinced that whichever way this goes, it will be for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that suits me just fine. And then he says in that ver the wonderful sixth verse, and I hope you will memorize it, he said, and this, is, this seems to be the basis upon which he's building everything in the entire four-chapter book. He said, being confident of this very thing, that he who hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, there are three truths in that little verse. Probably many, many, many more, but three truths that God has laid on my heart. Number one, conviction. Number two, confidence. 
Number three, coronation or consummation. Now, the confidence depends upon the conviction. The coronation depends upon the conviction. And so we must start in the middle of that verse. And as we dig out like a little, we used to go out and hull, hull walnuts. And then, you know, take all the hull off and then crack them open. And then we'd pick out the goodies inside. And a lot of times we leave some of the goodies in there. Have you ever done that? It's hard, they're hard to get sometimes. Well, that's the way with this verse. There are some goodies in here that we're not going to get to today. It would take a long time to study all of that verse. But I want us to examine it carefully, starting in the middle of the verse. Being confident of this very thing, that he who hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The confidence depends upon the conviction. The coronation depends upon the conviction, so it all starts in the middle. The reason I can be confident, Paul says, that Jesus will perform this until the day of Jesus Christ is because he's the one that began the good work. He's the one that began the good work. Our faith, our confidence, our trust depends upon Jesus Christ and what he did in moving in our lives and bringing conviction and drawing us to Jesus Christ. Now keep in mind, please, that the conviction of the Holy Spirit is the only way a man, woman, boy, or girl will ever get to heaven. We do not, we sing sometimes, I choose Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And all those songs are wonderful, and I like them, and we use them. But in the final analysis, we didn't choose Jesus, he chose us. In the final analysis, I haven't decided to follow Jesus. He decided to find me. I like the person that got up one day and say, said, I want to tell you when Jesus found me. A lot of times we talk about finding the Lord. And I, I, that's, that's fine to say it that way. And I'm sure that I've said it that way many times. But I want to tell you, he's the one that found us. And if he did not find you, you have not been found. If all you did was decide one day to join the church, or to, jo to join the Christian company, or to enlist in an army for the Lord. If all you did was one day you said, well, I'm tired of living the way I'm gonna live, I've lived and I'm gonna turn over a new leaf and I'll start doing some other things and so on. If that's all that's happened in your life, then you have no confidence for eternity. And no wonder you're up and down and crisscrossed and one day you're hot, another day you're cold, and you always are wondering about your salvation because you can't go back to a time when Jesus drew you to himself. Conviction by the Holy Spirit <clears throat> is the basis for our confidence. It is the basis for our hope of heaven. It is the basis for a changed life. It is the total and only basis for our hope. And so I want to spend a few moments talking about that. The Bible says in John chapter 16, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the Prince of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit 
is the, the initiator of God in our lives. Did you ever wonder why it is that you're interested in spiritual things and other people are not? Sometimes we compliment ourselves and say, well, I guess I'm just, you know, more spiritual-minded than somebody else. No, the Holy Spirit began a work in you. He began to convict you. And my friend, there are lots of people in the church that are not spiritual-minded. They have no idea at all about spiritual things. And the reason is because somehow along the line they missed out on the conviction of the Holy Spirit and they were never really drawn to Christ. They just sort of got in, got in, in some other way. Now Jesus said in John chapter 10, the thief breaks through and comes in some other way other than through the door. The only way into the sheepfold is through the door. And the only way into that door is God's beckoning hand through the Holy Spirit drawing us by the bands of love, drawing us unto himself. Now the conviction of the Holy Spirit is uh, manifest in very varied ways. Sometimes that conviction is brought about by a realization of total bankruptcy moral, spiritual bankruptcy, and we have sort of a feeling in our heart of hopelessness and despair, and we don't know to whom we can turn, and we don't know what to do. And there are lots of people who have come to Christ out of a terrible background of spiritual and moral bankruptcy. They didn't know what to do, and somehow through it all, maybe they heard a song. Maybe they heard the Word of God. Somehow the Holy Spirit got through their hearts. Maybe it was a television ministry. Maybe it was a radio broadcast. Maybe it was a gospel track. Maybe it was somebody came knocking on a door. But somebody made us aware of our need of Jesus. The other night when we had these deacon testimonies, one of our men said, I first was contacted by somebody on the bus ministry who came out and knocked on my door and urged us to come to church and urged our family to come. You see, the power of going after unsaved people, going after unaffiliated people, the, the power of going and knocking on a door. God uses men to reach men. God uses people to reach people, people to people. And the Holy Spirit has no other way. He doesn't work through the atmosphere. He doesn't even work through thunderstorms and lightning and all those things. Now, they may get our attention, but the Holy Spirit always works through people and the Word of God drawing us to Jesus. Some time ago out at the Royal Ranch, we had a young boy. We were having an obstacle course, and we were, get, we were getting ready to run. Uh, I'll tell you, you ought to see those obstacle courses. They run the whole 98 acres of that property. They run from one place to the other, and they see how fast they can get it done. And what, what, is it, what they do is uh, they, they have certain verses of Scripture they have to memorize and say at the point of that obstacle course. They'll go to, uh, for instance, they'll start at maybe the flagpole, and then they'll go to the cabin in the corner of Glory Land, and then they'll go to Zion's Hill, and then they go up uh, to another place and so on, and they have to give a verse of Scripture. But before they can leave the tabernacle, they all have to quote John 3.16. We had a boy there. Uh, they were working on it and working on it, and, and uh, you know, it's amazing. Uh, when you work with people, you, you think everybody knows that basic verse, but there are a lot of people that didn't know that. And uh, one boy uh, was working on it and working on it and working on it, and after a while he started crying. And, uh, you know, I didn't know what was wrong. I don't know why I didn't have more spiritual discernment, so I got him up here and we were, were working on trying to get that verse in his heart. And uh, he just started just weeping and uh, just sniffling and just, you know, you know how it is. And <laughs> he was just uh, sniffling and weeping. And finally I said, uh, 
uh, are you a Christian? Have you ever led Jesus in your He said, no, but I want to. You see, it was John 3.16 that God began to deal with his heart, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, he wasn't ready to memorize Romans 12.1 and 2 and, and if those other verses and so on. He needed basics. He needed Jesus. And he opened his heart to Christ that day and learned that verse, and, and he learned it in a real way because Jesus came into his heart. Now, being confident has to depend upon the fact that he has begun a good work in you. Now, I want to ask you this morning, has the Holy Spirit begun that work in your heart? Are you confident because the Holy Spirit has brought conviction to you and made you aware of your need of Jesus Christ? You may be here this morning. We've sung these songs. You've heard the, the, the testimony, and you've heard everything about this service, and somehow there's a longing in your heart. There's, there's something that's missing, and you wonder, what in the world is it? It could be that the Holy Spirit is making you aware that you've never had Jesus real in your heart. Oh, I pray and urge you just now to hear God's tug at your heart. You see, the Bible says, there's not a just man on earth that doeth good and sinneth not. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord had to lay on Jesus the iniquity of us all. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And when the Lord Jesus went to Calvary, he who knew no sin became the accursed thing. He became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And being saved is not a matter of saying, well, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to be different. Being saved is going to Calvary and saying, Lord, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. I need Jesus. And the reason you come is because the Holy Spirit drew you. The Holy Spirit brought that conviction in your heart before I was saved. You've heard me say this many times. I used to sit in the service, and in those days the ladies wore great big broad brim hats. I think they all had white hats and red hats and blue hats, and they were all big. And I was glad, because when the preacher would point his little boiny finger out there, it seemed to curve, and I thought it was curving right around that hat and pointing to me behind that hat, and I'd duck and hide and, and so on. Why did I do that? Well, I thought the preacher was preaching to me. I really thought that. Why, he didn't know I was there, had no idea it was a big church, but the Holy Spirit knew it. And he was bringing conviction to my heart. Has that happened to you? Have you come to a point in your life where you know you needed Jesus? You can have no confidence. There will be no coronation. There will be no heaven for you unless there has been that beginning of the work of God in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And he drew you, and then there came a day, one day, when you yielded to him. And you said, Lord, I need you. And all oh, the peace that he brings, the preciousness, the joy, the forgiveness. That doesn't mean there won't be any more problems. It doesn't mean there won't be any more trials. It doesn't mean there won't be any more temptations and friends. It does not mean there won't be any more sin. It means that Jesus has taken your sin, and he who knew no sin took your sin, your sin penalty. The wages of sin is death. He died for me and for you. And that's the basis of confidence. The second thing in this verse, Paul says, this being confident of this very thing. Being confident of this very thing. Now, God wants confidence in our life, not dependent upon us. Our confidence cannot be in our baptism. 
Our confidence cannot be in our church membership. Our confidence cannot even be in a changed life. Our confidence cannot be in our friends. Earthly friends may prove untrue. The arm of flesh will fail you. Very seldom do we have a friend in this world who somewhere along the line doesn't disappoint us. I've, I've talked to so many people who say, well, I'll tell you, I used to serve God, but uh, so-and-so did this, and I'm not, I'm not going to serve him anymore. Or I'll tell you, the deacon did such and such thing, or the Sunday school teacher did this, or, or somebody at church wouldn't speak to me, or, uh, you know, uh, they stepped on my toes, or I didn't like the way the preacher preached, or uh, uh, I was out in the, in the city one day, and I met some of our friends, some of the Christian friend, and he just uh, raised his head, and he didn't speak, and he went on. So I'm just not going to serve God anymore. Listen. If your confidence is in friends, you're sadly, you're in for a sad disillusion. Friends are not going to, but you, you can't trust friends. Now thank God for some friends. Thank the Lord for Christian friends. Brother Don told us in Sunday school this morning that uh, the average person has five or six real friends in life. I heard somebody say one day, if you can end life and you have one real, real friend, you're fortunate. Now, we can have a lot of friends. I'm not, you know, tearing that, that down, but I want to tell you, you can't put your confidence in friends. You can't put your confidence in church members. You can't put your confidence in the church. Our confidence has to be in Christ. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. But I'll tell you, when we know him, we can have a lot of confidence. In Psalm 37, the whole psalm is written about the confidence we have in Christ. For, fret not thyself because of evildoers. How many times have people fretted because of evildoers? I'll tell you, I'm going to just quit because somebody did such and such. Trust in the Lord, do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, he shall give thee desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, he shall bring it to pass. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way. Cease from anger. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming, that is, the wicked one. And then I heard uh, precious Missionary friend used this verse, I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. This dear precious missionary friend, years ago I heard her tell, uh, shortly after that bloodbath in the Congo, many of you remember that. I was at a conference in Chicago and I heard this dear lady uh, tell about her experience in the Congo and their house was surrounded, she and her husband and their little boy. And the house was surrounded by all these uh, insurgents or guerrilla warfare, whatever they were. And they, they were coming to kill them. And they got on their knees and they prayed. And then they, they got up and the, 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 they came to the door and demanded that the man come out. And they demanded that he recant or deny Christ. He said, I'm not going to do it. He said, I can't. I've come here to preach Jesus, and I love you, and I'm here to tell about God's love. And they took him out, and right in front of the missionary lady and the little boy, they shot the husband, killed him. And the missionary lady and her boy, looking out the window, got down on their knees, and the boy started crying and weeping. And, and, and this 
precious missionary lady, lady said, you know, I don't know why I didn't cry. I loved my husband very, very much. We were there as a team. But suddenly there came stealing over my heart a peace, a quietness that said, Lord, if we must die for our faith too, it's all right. We've trusted you regardless. Our confidence is in Christ, not in life, not in a long life. Our confidence is in Christ. And she said, we prayed. And she said, the Lord laid on my heart that verse. She said, my husband, I'd been studying the 37th Psalm. And she said, the Lord laid on my heart. And I got that Bible open and I showed it to my little boy. I said, son, I've seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a great green bay tree. But he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, though I sought him, I couldn't find him. She said, we just prayed, gave ourselves to the Lord, and she said, after a little while, I opened my eyes. Now, you may not believe this. I don't know. She said there was a guardian of angels around our house. And she said, there just came that quiet peace. One by one, all those gorillas went away. She said, sometime later, I heard down at the little village that some of those gorillas, some of those insurgents were telling that they were out there and they'd just shot this missionary. And he said, suddenly, there were people all around that house. He said, we were afraid and we left. You tell me who those people were. They were God's guardian angels. This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, we know we have the petitions we've desired of him. I don't know why that missionary lady was spared and the little boy was spared and the missionary man was taken Maybe it was just to come back and give that testimony so I could tell you about it. I don't know, but I want to tell you. Paul said, being confident of this one thing, this very thing, that he who hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Our confidence is in Christ. Oh, Christian pilgrim, are you weary? You get defeated? You get discouraged? Do you wonder which way to go? Do things seem to turn out wrong? Do you have problems and you wonder, what in the world can I do? Trust God. If your confidence is in Christ, if you're sure that he has begun that good work in you, then trust him. Paul said that. He summed it up when he said, I'm in this Roman prison. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he said, I'm in a strait betwixt two. I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. He said, it really doesn't make any difference whether I live or die. To, to live is for Christ to live. Can we say that? For me to live when I leave this church building today is for Christ to go out of the church building with me. For me to live when I go wherever I go this afternoon is for Christ to go there. For me to live when I go to school, when I go to college, when I go back to my office, when I go to my work, when I go down to the ranch, wherever I go, for to me to live is Christ to go there.
and I can trust him. But to die is gain. Oh, listen, Paul didn't believe in any kind of soul slumber. He said to die is gain. When I die, it's going to be better, he said. Now, if Paul had thought, well, if when I die, I'm going to sleep in the grave for a thousand years till Jesus comes back, or I'll just be down there in the grave and that'll be the end of me, or, uh, or I'll just uh, have... in Christians. And that brings me to the last thing, the coronation. Being confident of this one thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The Bible knows nothing of men getting saved and being lost after they're saved and a few days later getting saved again, then being lost again, then getting saved again. I talked to somebody one day. I said, have you been saved? Yeah, he said, I've been saved 10 times. I don't know whether he knew what he was talking about or not. He might have had some experiences. Sometimes I think churches teach something like that, and I'm sure that you can be saved and, and not know the doctrine and, and think that that's happening to you. Sometimes a rededication of our life is like getting saved all over again when we've wasted our life and turned it over to the devil and haven't served God. But I want to tell you what the Bible says. You can only be saved one time. When you're born into God's family, you're born for keeps. And Paul said, being confident of this one thing, that he who hath begun that work of conviction in me and has drawn me, and I was drawn by the bands of God's love, being confident of this, that he who began that good work will perform it until the coronation, until I see Jesus, until one day I get home. Someday the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing but oh, the joy when I shall wake within the palace of my king, and I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. I have many more things to say to you, but time will, permit, will, will not permit it. But let me share this. Corey Ten Boone went to be with the Lord the other day. She was that lady who during World War II in Hitler's Germany, she and her family took care of Jews when they were all being slaughtered and killed and sent to concentration camps. And finally they learned about it and they arrested them. They killed the daddy. And uh, Corey and her sister went to a concentration camp and later her sister died there. And uh, Corey almost died. She tells about in 1947 after the war was over, she came from Holland down to Germany. And she said, I, I, I had a speaking engagements all over Germany. And I was telling him how God can forgive and how God can help us to be our, get our own hearts ready for heaven. And she said, uh, in this particular meeting, I looked out there, it was packed, and she said, I saw a man that was familiar to me. I knew him. I'd seen him before. And she said, there flashed before my mind that awful picture of the concentration camp. And that pile of clothes out in the middle of the floor. And all of us, the shame of all of us as ladies having to strip naked and walk in front of that guard. And he just looked at us. She said, I'd been speaking about God's forgiving grace. She said, the hardest moment of my life came in that meeting when it was over. She said, in the post-war Germany of that day, 
When the meeting was over, people didn't stand around and fellowship. They just silently stood and went out. But she said, this man moved through the crowd and came to her and put his hand out and said, you spoke of that concentration camp. He said, I was a guard in that concentration camp. He said, since then, I've become a Christian and God has forgiven me all the cruel things that I did. And you spoke this morning of forgiveness. And she, he said, I just wanted to hear from you. If, if you were there, he said, I don't remember you, but if you were there, will you forgive me? And she thought in her mind, and as she writes about it, she said, seconds seem like minutes and hours. She said, I fiddled in my pocketbook. She said, I had the hardest time in my whole life getting my hand out there to shake hands with him. And she said, I knew that God had forgiven me day by day by day. And this same forgiveness that I'd been talking about had to come from my heart to him because a precondition to be forgiven by God was to forgive those who had wronged us. She said, I, I looked and I thought, Oh, she said, I could, in her heart, she said, I could never forgive this man. All the cruel, ugly, wicked things. And then she said, I thought of my sister's death. She died in that concentration camp. And I thought of all those others he had hurled off to get on trains to go to the death row and to the gas chambers. And she said, there came stealing into my heart. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then the words of Jesus, if we forgive men their trespasses against us, our Heavenly Father will forgive our trespasses against Him. She said, with all the strength I could muster, with a quiet prayer, I reached out my hand. I took His hand and said, I do forgive you. With all my heart, I forgive you. And I look forward to seeing you in heaven. She said, there came, stealing over my heart, a peace like I'd never had before. A quietness, a confidence that indeed God was reigning in my heart and in His heart. And here in the earth, we can make this earth more like heaven by forgiving one another. And she reached out her forgiveness to the man who had greatly wronged her being confident of this very thing, that he who hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. When we get home to heaven, there won't be any grudges. There won't be any lack of forgiveness. There will be joy and peace and quietness and contentment forever. Let's begin that right here. May we bow our heads in prayer, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Our Father, we thank you for the forgiving grace of our Lord. We pray that just now there will come a confidence in the hearts of God's people that he who has begun a good work will indeed perform it until the day of Jesus Christ and give us the assurance of that right here. In Christ's name, amen. Will you stand, please? Out of my bondage, sorrow, and night, Jesus, I come to Thee. Jesus, I come to Thee. Will you come today to Christ? You're here and 
maybe you've never been saved. You don't know the Lord as your Savior. I want to ask you to open your heart to him. You may say, well, I don't know how to do that. Come and let us pray with you from the Bible and show you from the Word of God how to be saved. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And friend, if you have something against somebody, you've never forgiven them. Ask God for that grace of forgiveness in your heart. Just reach out that hand of forgiveness and say, by the grace of God, He has forgiven me, and I want to pass that forgiveness on to you. Let Jesus have His way in our lives as we begin to sing. You see, we're in bondage as long as we stay under the past. And this song says, out of my bondage, what's the number of it? 242, turn there in your songbook. Let's all sing it, 242, out of my bondage, the bondage of sin, the bondage of selfishness, the bondage of lack of forgiveness, the bondage of, of uh, doubt, and so on. Out of my bondage, sorrow and night, Jesus, I come to thee. While we sing, who'll be first to come for the king this morning? Will you do it? <laughs> 